Well, again, welcome to Parkview. We're glad that you're here. We, uh, we want to help you however we can. So whenever there are products advertised that I think might be helpful to you, I'm going to share them with you over uh, Cyber Monday. Um, I found this slimming t-shirt, and I know that... Um, <clears throat> I know that since we ate too much of Thanksgiving, this might be good for you. I don't know where the extra 50 pounds went when the guy put on the t-shirt, but that's a miracle right there. You should sign up. Uh, we were gone to California for, uh, for Thanksgiving because I have a one-month-old baby granddaughter out there, too young to fly back to us. So, oh darn, we had to go to Ventura, California and hang out, uh, hang out there. Here's what happens when you're holding a one-month-old baby and you've had too much turkey, all right? Um, Olivia is doing really great. Here's, here's that we rented a house out there and we all hung out together. All right. On the right is my grandson, Charlie. Uh, in the middle is Olivia. And on the left is Henry, who I call my grandson-in-law. He is uh, my daughter and son-in-law's nephew. And uh, the, the fun thing, you know, I, I tell this story a lot, but the fun thing about Henry is he was adopted. And um, what's ironic about this is don't Olivia and Henry look more alike than Olivia and the British kid? I mean, come on. They don't look like cousins at all. So that's kind of how God works things out. Here's me, uh, you know, giving Charlie all the wisdom of the universe, hanging out at the beach. Awesome to be in California for that. And uh, again, my happy place. That's where I live right there when I've got my grandkids. That's my favorite thing. Thanksgiving is my, is my favorite holiday. There's no hype, you know. There's no presence. There's none of that stuff. It's just, just a, it's family, football, and food. Am I right? That's what, that's what, that's the three F's of Thanksgiving. That's all we need, and uh, and I love it. Stupid Bears won, so I still don't know when I can have Matt Forte come. You know, I mean, it's over. Can you just lay down? I mean, come on. What? So. Anyway, I still don't know when Forte is going to get here, but we'll work on that. Obviously, I, I love Christmas too. All right, I do. But it seems like. As wonderful as it is in many ways, it's hard in many ways. And I mean, it, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on for us. I got to do 11 services, you know, while I'm trying to see my family. And this year um, will be the first year ever that we don't have one of our kids, one of our immediate family here for Christmas. That's normal for maybe a lot of you, but my, our kids have always been able to come in. Um, but my daughter's married to a guy from England, and they're going to go do Christmas in England. They celebrate Christmas over there, too, come to th you know, find out in weird ways. But, uh, you know, it, it, they're going to go do that, so she won't be around. I mean, that, that'll be a little hard, but not that big a deal because we see them a lot. We were just together. Some of you will be in a Christmas this year where one of your family members won't be there and, and you know they're not going to celebrate Christmas with you ever again because they're gone. The candles on the stage, 197 of them, represent um, those people for us. That, that, that's, what, uh, that's what we do this weekend is we kind of, as we kind of just admit that, that it's not just a holly jolly Christmas for everybody. And the irony is that it wasn't for Mary and Joseph either. I mean, when you see this picturesque scene on a, on a Christmas card, you probably are like, oh, that, that, you know, that looks so Christmas. But you realize that's a pregnant woman on that donkey, right? Like eight months pregnant, probably. And, and, and Mary and Joseph aren't home. They're not with their family either. As quaint as that picture is, you know, the reality is that that's a very poor couple having a baby out of wedlock in a foreign town where they walked 80 miles to have a baby in a barn with nobody to witness it but some shepherds and some barn animals. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. Does that sink in? 
I was recently in a birthing room for my granddaughter, you know, every time I had to go in, it was like, wash your hands, gown up, you know, no germs allowed, that's bad in the birthing room. Do you think that cows and the sheep had gloves on? You think they were gowned up? I mean, this is the reality of Christmas all the way back to the beginning. That's why I show this picture every year at Christmas time because it is my favorite. <laughs> Joy to the world, right? That's the reality of it, you guys. And many of you walked in here today and you're like, where's my holly jolly burl? My, my holly jolly doesn't seem to be around here. So that's why we decided last year and from this year, from, from, from this day forward, we're going to do this at the beginning of the Christmas season. We're gonna, we called it Blue Christmas last year. We're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna admit the dose of reality that is at Christmas time. Because here's why. I think you're going to have a hard time believing in peace on earth, goodwill to men, unless you know that I know where you live. So that's why we do it this way. Um, one of these candles represents a friend of mine that if you were here last year, you know had had a, a stroke and was in a coma. We weren't sure what was going to happen. And right after Christmas, she did pass away. Maybe it's that for you. Maybe it's um, a divorce. Maybe it's some other kind of pain. It's loneliness. It's a breakup. It's just depression. I mean, this is the shortest time of daylight of the year when we celebrate Christmas, which is why we need it so much, but it's a, it's a hard time. You know, there's a, a literal malady called seasonal affective disorder that happens to a lot of us. Seasonal affective disorder. Sad. How ironic is that? I mean, it's that time of year. Maybe Christmas is hard for you because you're waiting. I mean, waiting is a part of Christmas. You remember being a kid, waiting for that, you know, Christmas morning, being so excited about it, shaking your packages, hoping the Red Ryder BB gun was in there and all that. And you, but the difference with that was there was a time when you got to find out. As an adult, it gets way harder as we wait. We're waiting for somebody, maybe you're waiting for somebody to share your life with. Maybe you're waiting to get a job that you need or for some kind of healing, for a baby that you've been praying for, for a prodigal child to come home, for a marriage to be made right. When we have to wait long periods of time, like happens in our story today, we become fearful and we become hopeless. And if there's anything we need as humans to survive, it's hope. The writers of the Bible, 2,500 years ago, Solomon said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when, when hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. It, it all goes together. It was, a, it was a crazy God moment for me on Friday night when I came over to this thing. We had this gathering for our small group leaders. We'd invited this great speaker guy named Bob Goff to come in and speak. But unbeknownst to me, Bob had invited another guy that I knew that I had been praying for, but I had no idea was going to show up. And he's a hero of mine because he's going through this in a way that probably none of us could ever imagine. His name is Davey Blackburn. He, was the, he is the pastor from Indianapolis, who you may have seen in the news. Went to the health club one morning, came back and found his wife, who was pregnant, murdered in their home. And uh, that was just literally a few weeks ago. And, and Bob was friends with Davey, and so Davey drove over from Indianapolis, and he was, he was just here. 
and it felt to me like a moment if we were going to talk about this, it maybe instead of you hearing necessarily everything from me, a guy who's not living in that place right now, it'd be good for you to hear from Davey. So we just whipped out our iPhone and I got a little interview. This is Davey. Listen. Hey, I'm here with my friend Davey. Just met him tonight, but I've been praying for him for several weeks because um, he's a pastor and a brother, and um, his wife was tragically taken from this life uh, recently down in Indianapolis. You've probably seen a news story. And Bob Goff was here this weekend and invited him over. It's, it, it's meant more to me to meet you than it did Bob, but don't tell him that. Because um, as I'm preaching this weekend to the congregation, like I told you, it's hard, it's hard for me sometimes to... I mean, last year I had, a, I had a really good friend on life support when I was doing the sermon. And, and it was coming from a deep place, but she was a friend. She wasn't my wife. My wife is still with me. My family's here. You've gone through this, and yet... Um, you still know that there's hope. You still feel hope. Will you tell them what gets you up in the morning? Obviously, at a 16-month-old, yeah. you got to get up for yeah. What gets you up in the morning? What What is the hope that Jesus is giving you? Um, well, I know it sounds really cliche, but um, God's Word gets me up in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, the darkest times for me, and if you've gone through any kind of tragedy or any kind of sickness or any looming possibility of that on the horizon maybe you're you're dealing with cancer in your own body or in the family or something um, the hardest times are right at night as you're going to bed and when you wake up in the morning and you have to wrestle with was this was this a dream or is this reality and the thought comes it's reality the very next thing that I do though is I grab my cup of coffee and I and I grab the Bible and I go back to the truths of God's Word the promises, um, his mercies that are new for me every single morning, and um, and I I get strength from that. Um, you know, um, Matthew chapter seven uh, talks about how you're either building a, a house on a rock or you're building a house on sand, and it says when storms come into your life because they're going right. to. Right. Doesn't say if. Jesus never told us that life is going to be roses and daisies, mm -hmm. but when storms come into your life, if your house is built on the rock. He says that building your house on the rock is listening to the words of Jesus and doing what they say, right? So not just information, but information and application. And that's when your house is built on the rock, and that's when it will stand. And so the only place that I can go is God's word. Um, and there's so many other things that provide encouragement, doing life with other people who have tremendous faith and being able to be carried by them. But God's word anchors me in hope. Um, there's the hope that I'm going to see Amanda one day. Again, I know she's in heaven with Jesus. I know she's in perfect peace. I know there's no sorrow. There's no there's no mourning. There's no pain. There's there's none of that. She is in the presence of Jesus. And I know I'm going to see her again. So that's hope because we have the hope that Jesus provides us eternal life through, um, through the sacrifice he made on the cross and through raising from the dead. But then the other hope is that God promises us that even things that were done out of evil toward us, he's going to bring about good. And we may not see it immediately, but we will realize it eventually. And, uh, and he said, he, he says, you know, I, what Joseph, you know, the story of Joseph standing in front of his brothers who did uh, just monstros monstrosities toward him. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good and to bring about the saving of many lives. And so I have the hope that in this lifetime, Amanda's life 
and her legacy is going to be lived out to save many people's lives and many people are going to come to the hope um, and the saving faith of Jesus Christ. And so that's the hope that I live with. That's what gets me back up in the morning every single morning. It's, it's, it's not easy to be able to say that because mm -hmm. you'd rather have her here. You don't and, feel it. And I, I understand. Yeah. You don't that's feel the thing. it. You don't feel it. You're, you have to. You got to believe it. You have to believe it. You have to know it. You have to anchor yourself in that. And uh, there's one thing, I mean, I've been reading through all kinds of Amanda's journal entries. I've got dozens of them from basically the time we started our church. So for four years, she writes all of these things about, hey, Lord, this is what I'm feeling today, but, help, but this is what I know to be true. Help me to submit my feelings to your truth. And, and she just believed and we believe that your feelings will follow truth. When, when they're submitted to God's truth. And so um, that's, I mean, that's the encouragement that I, Fantastic. that I derive from, so. Know that we're gonna be praying for you. Thank you. We're gonna be praying for you yeah. a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's amazing, isn't it? I don't, I, I don't know. Let's, let's do pray. Lord, I just wanna pray for Davey right now. I mean, it, he's drawing amazing strength from his family and his friends and from you and from the body of Christ altogether. I just pray that you'll continue to do that, and um, I pray for this 16-month-old Weston who won't know his mom, and what kind of stories are going are gonna to come from his life as he grows up, and um, I, I pray just a supernatural blessing on that family, and um, uh, as, as it's been hitting me, I'm praying for Amanda's parents, for her family. Uh, she's the same age as, as my daughter, and little... 16-month-old, like, like Rachel has a 13-month-old at her house, and it's just, she can't imagine what, it, what it's been like for them to pray over this, this daughter all of their life and to have this happen, and, and I can't imagine what it's like for the church and for all of her friends and everybody else to, to see this and to still be able to have hope, but Lord, that's what we know this is all about. If there are people in here who who walked in in that situation, or maybe worse in some way, will you help them to know that there is hope? That's why we do this. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I should just end there because hearing from him is the most important thing you can do. But let me take you back to the Christmas story and show you the reality there as well. Will you let me do that? I'm not going to talk about Mary and Joseph and all the other stuff. Let's talk about just right before that, the beginning of Luke 1. In the time of King Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. His wife Elizabeth, related to Mary, was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. This is part of the story we don't, we don't deal with a lot necessarily, but it's a perfect beginning of the whole fear not issue and what we need to do. Okay? Notice they, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were very old. Okay? This is the part I want you to see. But they. All right? that, that's just not, that, that's not something that's ever going to work out well in a sentence, is it? But they. That, that's not going to be good. Doesn't sound like a holly jolly Christmas to me if there's a but they. He's a priest. They're in the right family. The writer says that they were upright in the sight of God. I mean, goes to great lengths for us to understand that whatever was going on in their life was not their fault. That's really important to me for, for you to understand 
Because, you know, I mean, sometimes I think we feel like the hopelessness is because of something that I did. I know they weren't perfect, but they did their best to follow God. And the fact that they didn't have a kid was not because of anything that they did. We've talked a lot about here, about around lately, about the broad road that leads to destruction, right? Setting your mind on the things of, of the flesh, which leads to death. They were not there. They were on the narrow road that leads to life. And the problem with a lot of religion is that a lot of religion is about, well, if I'm on the naughty list, then naughty things are going to happen to me. And if I'm on the nice list, then nice things are going to happen to me. And that's true. This leads to death and this leads to life and peace. But there are no guarantees. Just because you're on this path doesn't mean that life is not still going to happen. Jesus had somebody come to him recently, and you know, Jesus had somebody come to him recently, right after this story in the Bible, and they said, "Hey, this guy's been born blind. What? what who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents?" And Jesus, is like, neither one of them. Was it their fault? Okay, this is going to glorify God, but it was neither one of them. And those people out there, a lot of it today is if you just live all your life right, God's going to give you money. Listen. A lot of people think if you just live your life right, everything's going to turn out well. Somebody forgot to tell Jesus that. Jesus had no money, and he died on a cross. Somebody forgot to tell all the apostles that because all of them were martyred except for one who was exiled on a prison island. Somebody forgot to tell pretty much everybody in the Bible that they were going to be blessed by God and live in a little bubble if they followed God because nobody had that happen to them. That's why I love the Bible's honesty. Yes, this is still the right path, and this life is going to be blessed by God, and you want to partner up with God in your finances and in everything else. But even if you do everything completely, you still might not have that child. You still might have that issue. Somebody still might break in and murder your wife. In this case, a woman in, in this case it was everything. So you could imagine Elizabeth had to feel useless, flawed, whatever. And there, I think there was a sense in this day, especially where people would look at, at Jesus and, and they would say, man, you know, I mean, it seems like he follows God, but he, he's not living a very blessed life. People are trying to kill him. And I think people would look at the disciples and think, well, I, disciples, if you guys followed God, everything would work out in your life. And I think there was, there, there was probably people looking at Zechariah saying, you're a priest and you don't have kids. Must be something going on. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple and burn incense. Okay, Big hairy deal this is. All right, Maybe he only got to do it once. Some priests never got to do it. There were a lot of priests, and you only got to do this at certain times. And you, he got picked. They drew straws or whatever, and he got picked to go into the temple. What I wonder is what was going through his mind as he was going into the temple. Because, again, he's from that religion system that thought he should have a kid by now. And either he's done something wrong or God's done something wrong was maybe what was going through his mind. Man, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to lead this worship service. People are waiting outside for me to bring them a word from God, and I don't even know if I believe this. Because I think it probably would have been mine. And God, if you're there, I've, I've done everything you asked me to do. Would it be a big, big problem for you to let me have a child, this one wish? 
Or was he beyond this? Because they were old. They're just like, whatever, just going through the motions. He walks into the temple, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Okay, let that sink in. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. That's a bad trans- translation as far as I'm concerned. I think when Zechariah saw him, he wet himself, okay? That's more like it. I mean, when you see an angel, you know, he's like, oh, hello, angel. I know, I don't think that was it. The, the, the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Why would the angel say that? Because he was f- afraid, okay? Really, really afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. The number one command that God gives his people in the Bible is do not fear. Why is that? Well, a lot of times it's because it's angels giving it and they're scary. But it's also because we just don't understand the supernatural. We don't understand it at all. Little boy was at the dinner table one night. His mom said, Johnny, go out to the shed and get a broom. I need the broom. He's like, Mom, it's dark out there. I don't, I don't want to go out there. She said, no, it's fine. Just go out there and get it. Just get, run out there and come back. She said, Mom, it's dark. I'm afraid. So she pulls the Christian mom card. Right? Johnny, you know Jesus is with you everywhere you go. Johnny says, Jesus is out there? She said, yes. So he cracks open the door and says, hey, Jesus, if you're out there, would you bring me that broom? (laughs) It's confusing, isn't it? I mean, it really is, and it's scary to think about the fact that an angel might be here. Isn't it scary to think about an angel might be in here? Is it ironic that Clarence did not say, fear not, when he appeared to George Bailey? You know why? Because he's a lousy-looking angel. I mean, that's not scary. That's not who angels really were. The angels that showed up, they were awesome beings. They aren't these soft little harp-playing cupids in a bathrobe. They're not the little ornaments you put on your tree. They were, they were intimidating, and there was something about them that was powerful, and that's important to me. Because if, if, if there's a supernatural being that God has sent to help me, I want him to be scary. I had this picture hanging in my office. I've had it for 20 years, all the way back to when... I had those little ones to pray over at night. I love this picture, Ron DeCiani. It's called Spiritual Warfare. Ron DeCiani's the artist. If you look really close, you can see outside the window is an angel in white warding off a dark angel. And the idea is that as he's praying for his son, the angels are doing warfare in heaven. Notice the cross from the window that falls across his face. Isn't that beautiful? The Bible says, see to it that you do not look down on one of these children, these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father. I can't explain angels to you necessarily. I don't know how the whole thing works. But I know there are 300 references to these beings in scripture. So we ought to probably pay attention to the fact that they really are there. What are they like? Well, they're ministering spirits. They're here to help us. It says they're ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Who here is going to inherit salvation? Raise your hand. All right, it's me. I'm, I'm going to. I hope you raise your hand right now. If you don't, we need to talk about this, okay? So what does that mean? That means there are angels around to help me. Jesus, if you're out there, could you hand me that broom? I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? Are there angels in this room? There's a bunch of salvation inheritors in here. I'm sure that there are. 
Angels are ministering spirits. They're also warriors. Again, they're going to be powerful. They're doing battle in heaven. Michael and the angels fought back the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. I don't think this, I, I don't think this is figurative. I believe that there is spiritual warfare going on, and I know it's hard to comprehend, but here's the deal. If you take angels out of the Christmas story, you, you're taking the super out of the supernatural. Angels appear to Zechariah, then they appear to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. They're there. They're the messengers. They come in, and they are a part of this. This is the last part. They're the messengers. The angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Most common thing that they say first is fear not because they're powerful, but their message is that God has heard you. And if there are angels in this room right now, if there are angels right next to you right now, that's what they want you to hear too. God has heard you. What is it that you're feeling hopeless about. Well, guess what? Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, because he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. No need to get by with a little help from Jack Daniels. He's got the Holy Spirit in him, in a special way. Okay? Many of the people of Israel, he will bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. This is John the Baptist, in case you haven't put the whole story together. That's who is going to be born. Okay, so, so Zechariah has been praying for years and years to have a child, and they are old, and they are at the end of the rope, and they are both, you know, very, very negative, hopeless about the fact that something is going to happen. And at this point, when all else is lost, which is usually when God shows up, it's at this point that God answers, and answers in a really, really big way. He sends an angel to tell them that they will have a son, not just any angel, the head angel. Gabriel, right? That this boy will grow up and he will be the one that prepares the way for the coming of the Messiah. This is, this is like the, <coughs> the possible best answer that they could possibly have. <coughs> so what happens? Excuse me. What happens? The righteous, holy priest chosen by God to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. What does he say? Well, I don't know. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Translation, I don't believe you. Translation, I'm old and have you seen my wife? <laughs> Look, I'm not really criticizing because honestly, I wouldn't believe it either. I mean, if an angel appeared to me tonight and said, Tim, you are finally going to have a son in your old age. I don't think I'd believe him either. I'd have an interesting chat with a urologist over in Joliet on Monday morning. But I don't think I'd really believe him either. It is unbelievable. That's why this is so important. This is the lesson of hopelessness. It begs us to answer this question. Do you really believe 
These things can happen. Do you really believe that miracles can happen? It reminds me of a story over in the New Testament. In Acts 12, Peter has been arrested. He's imprisoned. He's in chain in, 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 in a dark dungeon for preaching the gospel. They get everybody together. They have this prayer meeting all together, and they're praying at Mary's house. They're hanging out and praying and praying for Peter's release. So what happens? The supernatural happens. I mean, they're probably thinking, Lord, please let the judge let him out of prison. You know, don't let him have to serve too much time, whatever, all the normal stuff. But no, that's not what happens. An angel shows up in prison, breaks Peter out of prison, two gates, takes him through, the chains fall off, and then leaves. And Peter's like, well, now what am I going to do? I'm on the lamb. You know, what, what, what happens now? I'm out. How did how'd this happen? What do you think he's going to do? Well, I know where everybody is. They're all over at Mary's house. I'm going to go say hi. So Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant, named, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, he might have said, hey, let me in. It's Peter. When she recognized his voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. They said, you're out of your mind. How could Peter be at the door? You're out of your mind. They said, when she kept insisting it was so, they said, no, it can't be. It must be his angel. But Peter's out there knocking. What were they praying for? Peter to be released. Peter's out, of, out there knocking on the door, right? And they opened the door and they saw him and they were astonished. It can't be Peter. He's in jail. What were you praying for? Why would you waste your time praying for something you don't really believe could happen? And this is even worse. This is Zechariah. He's a priest for crying out loud. How could he doubt? Because when you're hopeless, you doubt. I mean, he was going through the religious motions, just like everybody does. Because, I mean, it's the time of year when we do religious stuff, right? Maybe that's why you're here. It's the time of year you go through religious stuff. I love, I love the angel's response. Okay, so Zechariah's like, okay, I'm scared of you, and you're here, and you're saying I'm going to have this miracle, but how can I be sure? Can you give me a sign? And I, love, uh, I love the angel's response. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. Don't you get it? Zechariah says, I'm old. Gabriel says, who cares? I'm Gabriel. Are you crazy? I'm not just an angel. I'm like the archangel, okay? Here's how the org chart goes. Here's God. He is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then everybody else is here underneath me. This is me. Do you understand this? This is the flow chart in heaven, okay? I'm not down here so that I can hope a bell rings so that I can get my wings. I am Gabriel! <laughs> My interpretation. <laughs> I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. I came from God. If God needed you and Lizzie to be young to have a baby, he wouldn't be much of a God now, would he? But hey, if you want a sign, here's your sign. 
Wait for it, it's good. You are dumb. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. What do we call somebody who can't speak? They're dumb, okay? What a great play on words. Here's the deal. You want to sign? I'm closing it up. You're not going to be able to talk to anybody until the baby is born. That'd be a good enough sign for you. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple because he kept making signs to them, but he couldn't speak. You guys, you have to understand, it's been 400 years since God has spoken to a prophet or a priest in Israel before this happened. Priests have been going into the temple, coming out of the temple. No, got nothing for 400 years. Zechariah goes in, he comes out, and he has something but he can't tell anybody. This has been hitting me so hard. I've read this story a thousand times. Can you imagine being Zechariah and having the message of hope and salvation that the world desperately needs to hear, but you can't tell it because you're a doubter and your mouth has been closed? I mean, I get it. We all, we all doubt. I doubt too, you guys. I, I do. But listen to me. If you don't believe in a supernatural God, you're never going to bother sharing the news with your friends and your family and your neighbors who need to hear about a supernatural God that brings you hope and salvation. God won't make you unable to speak. You'll do it to yourself. Can you imagine being Zechariah and having the message of hope and salvation that the world's been waiting 400 years or all of existence to hear, and you can't tell it? Well, that's not us, so what's stopping you? Grab some CDs, invite some people, and tell them, we've got Christmas to celebrate, boys and girls. When the time of service was completed, he returned home. After that, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. Okay? And again, I get it. Even if an angel shows up, and even if it's Gabriel and says, something crazy supernatural is going to happen in your life, it's still hard to believe. And we probably aren't going to get Gabriel. We might not even get Clarence. We might not see any angels around us, even though I believe they're there. So it makes it even harder for us. And even in this situation, Gabriel, Mary, Joseph, they don't have an angel following them around after he appears the first time, do they? They, they get it once, and then they got to go back to a reality. they got to go back to what Davey was talking about, where, where you get up in the morning and you say, I'm going to believe this even if my heart's not real sure. Doubting doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you normal. But please don't give up the hope of Christmas just because you're not feeling it. I'm not Gabriel, but I do stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent from God to speak to you and to bring you good news. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. It is possible. Great job, Angie. Thank you for sharing like that. There, there's so much more to this story. I mean, you, you, you get it, right? There, there's so much more. They have the baby. Zachariah and Elizabeth have the baby. They name him John like they're supposed to. He is John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus and the forerunner of Jesus. When he is born, Zechariah has his mouth opened back up and is able to speak. And here's what he says. Here's what he prophesies. And you, my child, you will be the prophet of the Most High, John. You will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him. 
to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of God. That's going to be your job. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Jesus is coming to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the path of peace. That's what peace on earth is about. Jesus came. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. I am Gabriel. I came from God. I've got good news. It's just interesting to me in this story that Zechariah is, I mean, Mary and Joseph and the, and the shepherds, they have angel visits out in their homes, out in the fields, out in the normal places that they live. Zechariah has come to the temple. He has come to the holy place where you're supposed to worship God, and he's still shocked to meet God there. God is everywhere. God is in our hearts. But you need to understand, you came to worship God for a reason. Don't be shocked if you find him. Just be open. Let's pray. Lord, as we take communion right now, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to unite ourselves every week with the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for giving your son to die on a cross that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I, I believe that everybody in this room believes that with all their heart. What's hard for us is to, to, to see how that translates into my life now. I, I forget or I don't even want to realize that there are spiritual things going on all around me, that there are angels that are available for me, that there is a supernatural power that, that comes inside of me, the Holy Spirit, and, and He is here. You are here, Spirit, right now. That gives me hope in spite of what else is going on in, this, in, in the circumstances of my life. So, Lord, please be with the people that are here listening to my voice. Please be with them and help them to know that you're there. And if they don't have you, let this be the moment where they say, Jesus, I need you to shine into my life. I need you to shine into my darkness. I believe. I want to follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.